recording? Yeah, recording. This is Mom's Basement Podcast, episode 43. Um, I'm still not home edition, so there's ambient noise. This is Mom's Basement <laughs> on fucking location. I am out on a balcony in Maryland right now, and I'm going to fucking jump. I actually probably shouldn't say that too early because Tom <laughs> might actually show up or something. <laughs> no, 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 you don't understand, officer. I was just pretending I was going to kill myself for the purpose of recording a podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. But speaking of uh, plunging to your death, that way, uh, rest in peace to the forage. And that's yeah. what we're going to talk about tonight. We are going to talk about the the forage and the future, you know, the end of the forage and what comes after. And uh, Alex is with us, although he has not said a thing yet. Well, you kind of jumped on it, so I couldn't really say anything. I wanted to answer. I wanted to ask the question that we were going to answer, and then you were. What's like, the question we're going to answer, Alex? Sorry. Well, the the question was, if you leave the forge unattended, will it set a fire? Hmm. Or will it go out? Or will right. it? Well, it won't start a fire if the coals have been dead for about four or five years now. <laughs> All right, so that was my question. Okay. So let's let's plunge into this topic. I don't know how we want to start this up, but uh, for those of you who don't know what the forage is, and uh, which would be, you know, probably all zero of our listeners... Uh, the Forge is the original indie game design community. It's a place where a lot of the theory talk got started about indie games, but also where a lot of the uh, self-publishing start, uh, self-publishing talk, excuse me, really got its start. And it's uh, the place of origin for people like uh, Ron Edwards, who ran the site, Vincent Baker, Emily Kerr Boss, and Lehman. Uh, pretty much all of the big names in this small industry uh, had their time on the forage. Yeah. So, and now it's fucking dead. It's gone. Uh, well, yep. it's not gone. The site's still there as an archive, and apparently Ron Edwards is going to put a wiki up in the near future to covering very various indie RPG topics, but the community itself is closed down. The forums will not be accepting any more posts. So this was a long time coming. Um, I don't know. Rudy, Alex, how do you feel about it? Uh, go ahead, Rudy. I want you to say your piece first, because as me being the anti-hipster, I'm going to probably <laughs> say some, some some terrible things. All right, well, I uh, I didn't use the Fords that much, but uh, I think it's probably the one site for design that pretty much everybody knew about mm. and went to. And uh, it's, I mean, there's RPG Net and there's Story Games, but those sites don't really have, you know, dedicated forums for design. As far as what, well, actually, Story Games has Praxis, but that's a that's separate thing. a wasteland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought RPG Net had a design forum. It doesn't? Um, yeah, actually, they do have a design forum. I'm sorry. But? But it's not really, it's really like a free-for-all in there. It's not really a focus type of design dealy like the Fords was claiming to be. Claiming? Well. I hear yeah, a note of skepticism there. I don't know. The Forge, for me, 
I never really got into the, uh, I guess, the spirit of the Forge, <laughs> which seems to be like theory and that kind of stuff comes first. Mm. And like, if you if you're new there, you had a long list of threads that you should read, you know, about game design theory, and people would point you towards those threads if you made any, you know, thread of your own about design. <laughs> and actually, there was no way there that you could really talk about design itself. You could talk about your game that was in progress, but you couldn't necessarily talk about in, in the modern Forge and the Forge that I'm that I came from. You couldn't really talk about design just as an abstract thing. It had to be basically like about your game. Right. And like all the all the theory stuff is in kind of in the past, the distant past of the Forge, which is like 2002, three-ish, I think. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. I, for me, the Forge really just, it was there, but it wasn't tremendously helpful as far as a design space. Yeah, and I, uh, before I give Alex a chance to jump in, because I have a sense of what he's going to say, and I do want to say some positive things about the Forge. So, like you, Rudy, I didn't find the discussions on the Forge to be, I'm not even going to say particularly helpful, they didn't help me. They, the discussions on the Forge had very little influence on how I design, on how I think about design, on how I talk about design, it just didn't. But the Forge as an entity, I guess the Forge as a thing that exists probably had a huge influence in a lot of ways. Um, the most significant way, I think, was, was through the Rani Awards, which really, um, more than anything else probably, encouraged me to design a game quickly and put it out there for people to look at. Prior to that, I'd been fiddling around with things, but it was always unfocused ideas. I wasn't really interested in putting them to paper. I didn't really uh, perceive there as being much of an audience for them, and maybe there still isn't much of an audience for my games. But anyway, and I also didn't feel very encouraged to uh, make one cohesive, simple game and put it out there for people to digest. That was something. I don't know that I, if I didn't know how to do it, but I wasn't prepared to do it um, prior to the January 2011 Ronnie's. And I don't remember how this started. I think you sent me the link, Rudy. You were like, oh, the Ronnie's are starting up again. Take a look at this. And I looked at the list of terms he had, and I don't remember the full list. What was it? Skull, Soldier, Sword, Sword, uh, and, and Death. Old. Oh, old. Yeah, old. old. And I saw Old and Skull, and immediately I thought of the Memento Mori and all the stuff that goes around that. And that shit just fascinates me. You know, and I'm not going to get too deep into that. But I thought, I really want to make this kind of game. You know, I, I really want to make the Seventh Seal a game. And that inspiration made me just want to create something, you know. I, I felt immediately inspired to create a game. Now, it took a little while. I spent a lot of time researching before I it really came in. And there's that background noise. But um, if I didn't have that kick in the ass, you know, if there hadn't been a contest there to encourage me, I don't know that I would have done it. You know, I don't know that I would have done it at all, and I don't know, and I feel like that's really, that was really the starting point for me in terms of making quick, uh, cohesive little games 
based on ideas as opposed to, you know, big sprawling messes based on, like, vague ideas about, you know, what, what I, I want RPGs to be or whatever. And I think without that, you know, I'm not where I am today. So that, that was something. And uh, even though I didn't participate in Game Chef or any of the later Ronnie, you know, Ronnie contests, uh, still, just looking at the list of terms and shit inspired me in a lot of cases. In fact, the game we just put up on Misery Tourism today, yesterday, was, you know, very much, was actually inspired by the April Ronnie um, contest, the April 2011 Ronnie contest. And even though it took about a year for the game to actually get made, uh, it was still inspired by that. So I think as inspiration, you have to give the Forge a lot. Uh, as a community, as a place to talk about design, I don't know. I'll, I'll leave that. I'll leave Alex to jump in on that point, maybe. Well, um, despite what you may think on, uh, on on my stance of things, especially when it comes to this kind of thing, I actually am a little. It's a little bittersweet because really? on, on one hand, I am I am very glad the Forge is gone, in one sense or another. But I'm also I'm also very unhappy on how it happened, and uh, what caused it in its wake. Like you know during during the period that it was it was active. Okay. Um, and the, the reason why is the forge wasn't a place to talk. It was a cult of personality. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is that I mean Rudy said it himself that you couldn't even bother to post something up without somebody telling you we already discussed this, move along. Uh, read the scriptures and uh, have the real answer. Don't bother trying to talk to us about it. Yeah. So there was, there was, there was an, a very intense method to how these people decided to talk to one another. And it really did not help creativity at all. Mm. At, at best, it created a bunch of extremists. And upon, you know, when you have extreme measures, you get extreme answers uh, to, to those problems. And uh, a lot of the games that came out of the Forge were those answers of, uh, you know, of the, of the education that was brought upon them, of the extremism. So, so what you're saying is uh, the, the fact that the Forge was so deeply committed to a set of card documents, I guess, a, so, so deeply committed to theory with a capital T led to it being populated mostly by a bunch of ideologues? Is that what you're saying? That yeah, um, the, the, most of the people had their heads so far up their own ass that they couldn't <laughs> do anything outside of that. They were very focused to the point where they pretty much stifled themselves. That's one way to put it. And I agree that it was really hard to have a discussion about the nuts and bolts of your game on the porch. It was very hard to get focused, productive feedback. You know, you would come and say, you know, I would like, here's my game, here's what I try, here are a few questions, you know, this is, this is what I am trying to accomplish with my game, can you help me? And people would say, read this. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, it's very academic in that sense. Academic meaning like a university setting, meaning like uh, there being a sense of peer review isn't exactly the right word, but the sense that there's a canon of documents 
you know, and in order to be, you know, it reminds me of being in graduate school. You know, if you want to get your PhD in this area, this is the canon. You need to read the canon. You know, you need to read, and not just the canon in terms of the works that, you know, it, it's one thing to um, what you would call the primary materials, right? Which, if you're talking about, uh, say, fiction, is or the actual works of fiction, like uh, if, if you were, let's say, modernism, the primary source material would be like, you know, the wasteland or, um, you know, the works by Hemingway or Faulkner or, um, you know, all of the different uh, major modernist writers, right? That's the primary source material. The secondary source material is all this shit that people have written about it. And, and that's the secondary canon, too, is the expectation that you um, not only have read the primary material, but also have read all the major secondary works. And that's the sensation that you had visiting the forage, at least that I got. It wasn't just you should have read the primary material, which in this case would be past RPGs, I guess, would be D&D or GURPS or, you know, all the, or even uh, the major indie games at that point, things like Dogs and Vineyard or Sorcerer. You know, it wasn't just that you had read those games, but also that you had read all the secondary canon, you know, all of the major theoretical works about game design. And I think that's where I had trouble getting into the conversation because, you know, because if you're trying to build something, if, if, you're, if, you're, trying, if you're trying to be practical and pragmatic about design, what you want is direct, focused, practical, pragmatic advice, not go read theory like, oh, you know, I'm looking at your dice mechanics here and maybe if you uh, if you opted to use D4s instead of D6s, you know, your probability would be different and it would get more of the result you're looking for. Or, um, you know, maybe if you modified the way your scenes are structured, or maybe if you added some kind of scene structure uh, component to your game, that would work. That's the kind of advice you're looking for. You're looking to see that someone actually took the time, sat down, read your game, thought about your game, thought about what you were trying to accomplish, and then said, this is how you can accomplish it better. That's good feedback. That's what you're looking for. And I know that's, you know, that's incredibly stressful. That's difficult. Well, it's not stressful, but it's time consuming, you know, to sit down and look at somebody's work and think about it in that way. It takes a lot of time. It takes more time than saying, go here, look at this. Yeah. But in some ways, I would rather have no feedback than you know, feedback that isn't that kind of very practical feedback. You know, really, if, as a designer, I think you're looking for two kinds of feedback for your game. I'm looking for the feedback that makes me feel good about the kind of game I'm designing, like someone saying, hey, this is really cool, I would play this game. In fact, maybe I'll even play test this game. Number two, someone who says, you know, I can see what you're trying to do with this game, and this is how you can do it better. This is specifically how you can do it better. Not necessarily I don't like this game, not necessarily I do like this game, just I see what you're trying to accomplish, and this is how I would do it differently to get a better result. Anything besides those two types of feedback, I'm not really looking for. 
you know, you either want encouragement or you want something that you can immediately integrate into your game or that really gets you thinking about your own design. You don't really want someone to say, go read this or go play that. You know, yeah. and, and maybe that's just me. But. Well, the, the problem that I have uh, just on people just posting, hey, read this theory, is mm-hmm. it's also the most counterproductive way of trying to tell somebody how to improve their game. Because not only are they reading something, they are interpreting it in a different way. So they are learning in a very subjective manner to the point where they can completely misread the entire point. And then when they come back with their revised edition, they're just as off as they used to be. Right. Well, and that's true. I mean, you're always going to see theory through your own eyes. You know, you're always going to see, I mean, any kind of argumentative, abstract, argumentative work is always going to be subject to a lot of interpretation. Uh, maybe not as much as, say, a piece of fiction, you know, but, uh, yeah. Rudy, you want to weigh in on this? Um, no, I think you pretty much said all that I was going to say about it. Those are, those things, those two things you mentioned as far as what you want for design feedback are basically the two things that I want and that I think just about everybody wants <laughs> for design feedback. You know, you want pragmatic advice, not a, uh, not like a dissertation on the big model or some whatever the, the new theory is. Right. But uh, I think uh, I think a lot of people on the forge were just lost and they they were so focused on theory stuff and like the theory of design that it was it kind of had warped them so that they could no longer help people <laughs> with simple <laughs> stuff that you could go to RPG net and get some simple advice about your dice mechanic. Mm-hmm. But you go to the forge and like you ask about your dice mechanic and people question like the intent of your game. Mm. You know, like what's <laughs> you know, like what are you trying to and are are you really trying to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish with this game? <laughs> or what you what are you what you say that you're trying to accomplish with this game. That was that was something that I ran into a lot there when I posted games. It'd be like, Well, you know, I I'm not really going to answer any of your questions about, uh, you know, what you, what you just asked. But is this really what you're trying to design? Is that, is that, is this game really about this? And that, that kind of second guessing was just kind of annoying and didn't really have any real practical. It, it just wasn't helpful. Right. And worse, it undermines your confidence as a designer, which is right. something that's really nasty when you're just starting. You know. Yeah. And the reason why a lot of people would go to a site like The Forge is because they're just starting. You know, they're looking to get a point of entry into game design and designing indie games, you know, since the stakes and the buy-in so low. You know, that that's the point of entry they were looking for. So to have people turned away at the door like that, I think maybe makes the community seem more hostile than it actually is, for one thing seem more closed and clickish than it actually is or maybe not hopefully <laughs> but oh, that's what i was referring to when i was saying that the forge was a was pretty much a cult was that <laughs> if I, either you believed fully in what they said or they just denied you and told you go read what we wrote and then believe what we said and then come back to us later yeah and and that is really destructive any person with a, a modicum of psychology will know 
that that title that style of teaching does does nothing uh, productive in, in the think, bro <laughs> <laughs> but it does nothing productive in the in the sense of uh, being creative it right. helps you create the same thing over and over again but in a different way and that's right. why most of those times when I said story games are just small you know are small stories that just so happen to have some RPG rules, like some mechanics, like some dice or whatever. Because almost every single game that came from the Forge was the same game in a different dressing. I, I wouldn't go quite that far. but I, I generalization, think, I know. I'm just saying. Right, but I think that there is something... There is a way in which using the same theory will you know, create a mold that results in kind of samey games. I don't think it's exclusively true. And I think one of the greatest things about the Forge uh, is that the end result was some pretty awesome games that wouldn't have been designed otherwise. And uh, I'm going to go back to the Ronnies again, but uh, and I can't list all of the games, all of the great games that came out of the Ronnies, or all of the interesting and exciting ones. But since there will be no more Ronnies podcast, I did want to mention a few of the ones again, that we mentioned before, that really um, impressed me, and maybe you guys can jump in on this, too. But, uh, well, both They Became Flesh and Cold Soldier are on their way out the door right now. They, uh, Brett Gilliam made a Google Plus post not that long ago saying that Cold Soldier is at printers, and I'm really excited about that. We did a, a playtest of that, which you can still find online if you go all the way back to episode 19. And that was just all kinds of rad fun. Uh, Elizabeth Sampat's game, They Became Flash, I uh, supported the Kickstarter for that, too. I thought that was basically everything that you want from a World of Darkness game, particularly Demon the Fallen, that World of Darkness games refuse to actually give you. And so I'm really excited about both of those, and both of those should probably be on sale soon. And, you know, they wouldn't have existed. Those are two really cool games that wouldn't have existed if The Forge didn't exist. So, hey, I don't know, Rudy, what were, and Alex, if you want to jump in on this, what were some of your favorite games that either came out of the Ronnie's directly or maybe came out of The Forge in a more abstract way, more you know, secondary way. Um, well, I did like They Became Flesh also. I thought that was a pretty brilliant game. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other Ronnie entries that I thought were particularly cool. I'm trying to think back to the to each of the Ronnies, you know, each set of turns and stuff. Right. Oh, you know one that I didn't mention that is still my favorite Ronnie entry? Skull Full of Bong Hits. Uh, <laughs> That game, I don't know. I don't know if that game is ever going to be finished. When it was submitted to the Ronnies, it was a, it was missing like vital components of the game. But I still love that game, and hopefully uh, the designer, whose name unfortunately escapes me, will sit down, finish that game, and even if he just publishes like a poorly formatted, half-assed draft, puts that online. I would I would love him to death for that because I want to play that game. I know one that I did like was Demi Lich, which was basically a uh, it was a card game with some RPG elements added for extra sweet fun. And uh, 
that one came out. I forget which Ronnie's that came out. Did that come out of the uh, the sword skull old? Um, yeah. yeah. Old skull. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I like that game. I thought that was a pretty interesting take on you know competitive card mechanics and stuff. Right. But um, I wonder if that ever got published. It was in a pretty uh, completed forum when we play tested it. Yeah, it was. But I like the idea of having a contest, you know, to, that basically is there to inspire people. Yeah. You know, I think that's important to have. And now that the Forge is gone, there's not necessarily going to be any place to do that, to do that same type of thing. Yeah. I mean, there's Game Chef, but I'm not sure. Um, I don't know what the future of Game Chef is, but that only comes once uh, every year, I think. Once a year, and there's so many games yeah. that to read them all, I mean, we did it this year, and then the recording quality of the podcast was was atrocious, unfortunately, but we did it this year, and that was incredibly, incredibly time-consuming. I don't think I could do another year where I read through 90 games. So being able to find what's good in there in order to encourage it and to follow it is very tricky because it's not necessarily the runners-up and it's not necessarily the um, the finalists, you know, or even the winner. A lot of times the real gems are buried in there. And something like the Ronnie's, you would get 16 to 20 entries, 15 to 20 entries. You could easily look at all of them. You could easily at least give each of them the cursory glance that you needed in order to know if this was a game you really wanted to follow. And yeah. small contests like that, you know, I don't know where, what the place will be for those now. Alex? In regards to, uh, into, for that, I, I think it'll be just fine. Because uh, e- even though there is a potential for that to be a worrisome thing, there are mm-hmm. already enough contests out there and pretty much the same group of people are still going to want to do this thing. Uh, they're probably not going to give up once, uh, you know, the forge, since the forge closed. Uh, so they're just going to tack themselves onto other things instead. Right. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that vacuum is going to be filled, I think. I mean, it has to be filled. I think the community vacuum that's there, how far are we right now, Alex? Where are we at? Uh, we're at uh, half past noon. Uh, basically, so, um, we're probably at half an hour. We're probably at about half an hour. Uh, well, what I wanted to do at the half an hour mark is transition to talking about the future. You know, what an ideal game design community would look like, could look like. I have one last thing before we start that. Right, and I wanted to give you the chance, and each of us the chance to say one last thing, though, about the Forage or its legacy before we do that. Okay, um, what I wanted to get at is I am severely disappointed in how the Forge decided to finally uh, end. And it was pretty much, Ron Edwards said, I am tired of you guys playing with my toys, and I'm going to close down and say goodbye to all of you. Is that what it was? I mean, why do you feel that's what it was? Well, the reason why is there's no reason to close down a, a website. Mm. Unless you're not willing to pay for maintenance fees. And he decided to close it down since he's in charge of it. So why would it be closed down any other way? It was his decision to close it down. Oh, it was absolutely his decision to close it down. 
why he made that decision, I think it's it's hard for me to get my head around. Um, <laughs> I mean, but so, honestly, sometimes from what I've seen of Ron Edwards, he's an idiosyncratic thinker <laughs> in a lot of ways, and I think he had probably had some kind of. I don't think this was a personal thing. I mean, I could be wrong about that. I don't think this was, fuck you guys, I'm going home, or, or should I say, screw you guys, I'm going home. Um, I think this was an extension of his personal ethos, I guess you could say, his personal vision for what the Forge existed to accomplish. I think he felt it had accomplished that, and it was time to move on. Uh, why that is, and how that, I mean, that doesn't really fit into the way we understand communities, you know, uh, online communities. You usually think, you know, they, they keep going as long as there are people there to contribute. Right. And there's something valuable in that. But I don't think that's how Ron Edwards thought about it. But I don't know. It, has, Alex? Yeah. it was a personal decision. You think so? Why? Uh, you just gave two. Your two reasons for it were both personal decisions. Okay. That's what. That's what I'm saying. In other words, it was a personal decision. It so may mean, not be a bitter personal decision, like you know, right. you, uh, I'm out of here. It could be a. Uh, I feel that um, I everything has been said that needs to be said, so uh, I'm closing down, which is almost as bad as saying I'm done with you guys, because that implies that there's nothing else to say. Or at least nothing else to say that can be said or should be said on the forum. Yeah, so it, it, it that that and and that relates more to why I was talking about in terms of the cultish attitude. Was that there was a, mm. there was a there was a mindset that that insulted me when I saw it. And that and the reflection of the forge closing is exactly related to how it began and how it was functioning. It's a, it, it ate its own tail, that's what I was saying. That's a good way to put it, honestly. I don't know. I think, I think it was a kind of strange way to have it close. But I mean, they had had the period, the, what they call it, the winterization of the forge, yeah. basically, where they said, "Okay, forge is probably going down shortly. So finish up all your design work and, uh, you know, get get the games that you want to get published published, and then we're gonna end it." Mm. But um, like Alex said, I don't really understand why uh, why it really had to end like that at all necessarily. <laughs> I mean, the idea of having a vision for a website is cool, but when that vision basically, um, I don't know, when like he said, it did sort of eat its tail. <laughs> you know, when that when that vision kind of is that dominant, then it starts to be, I think, a and when there's so many different visions, you know, that there that different people on the Forge had. I mean, Vincent Baker was involved in the Forge. Right. And he was a moderator. And um, there were a lot of people, there were an infinite number of people who designed, you know, stuff on the Forge. And to say that, you know, those people aren't really part of the... Well, it just seems to me that that's kind of saying that those people aren't really part of the vision or, you know, it's, it's a one-man vision. Mm. And everybody else can... You know, and kiss my ass, basically. I don't, I don't have any animosity towards Ron for, uh, you know, for closing it or anything, because as I said, I didn't really get into how they did their 
design style thing there. But uh, I don't know, it just seems like a really strange way for a community to end, especially when everybody's talking about, well, what's going to replace it? You know, we need this community, we need this here. And it's just going to be all lost knowledge, basically. You know, if we don't, if we don't have, uh, if we don't have that kind of outlet. So I don't know. Well, the knowledge won't be totally lost. There will be a wiki there. Yeah. It will be lost in the sense of how often do you go and search the past for knowledge? Most people don't, so it's going to become lost knowledge over time. Right. And in a very strange way, the internet, you know, for being the ultimate written community, the ultimate uh, expression of uh, written knowledge, preserving written knowledge, it's, it functions very much like an oral community in that what people are saying now is what people hear. What people are writing now, people hear, you know, as opposed to, uh, you know, because our idea of a, of a literate community, of a community that's based on written knowledge, is one where knowledge really carries over from day to day, where you have this accum gradual accumulation of knowledge. And I think that's how Ron Edwards envisioned the forage. But the internet doesn't, I mean, it does function like that. Certainly the Wikipedia functions like that. And certainly there are a lot of sites you can find. Where you, where you can find a lot of archived knowledge if you want to go looking for them. But the way the exchange on the internet really functions and the way that most of us really use the internet is as a sort of slightly delayed, protracted uh, form of conversation, you know, back and forth to facilitate that kind of immediate communication. So it's very much like an oral culture in that way. And that's something that I don't know that Ron Edwards really understood and that I don't think that a lot of uh, designers necessarily understand that communication, internet communication, moves so rapidly and is in such a constant state of flux and revision that the idea of leaning on past knowledge too hard as opposed to offering immediate substantive answers is not particularly valid, I think. But all of that said, like Rudy, I don't really hold that. I don't hold any animosity towards Ron. In fact, I'm, I'm actually very thankful, thankful to Ron Edwards because I wouldn't be designing RPGs today probably if Dance Macabre hadn't won a Ronnie. I mean, it's such a trivial little prize. You know, it's it's what 50 bucks and a pat on the back. But the amount of encouragement that gave me, the amount of validation winning that goofy little contest gave me as a designer was huge, you know. I, I, would, I would have gotten discouraged long ago and gave it up. I certainly wouldn't have worked with Rudy to make uh, Misery Tourism games. I wouldn't have three games on that site right now uh, that, that are my own work. It wouldn't have happened without the forge. So that's my last thought on it, you know. For all that we can quibble about how the community was structured and how it functioned, you know, I, I probably wouldn't still be designing games right now without it. So what can I say? Uh, last thought. I'm going to be done just really quickly. Uh, you guys were mentioning that you have no animosity towards him. I don't either. The I, I'm just thinking about it in a in, a, in I'm just actually thinking about it in terms of like, all right, how do how would I how do I really feel about this sort of thing? And because um, for me to have hatred towards somebody 
means I actually want to hurt him, and I don't want to hurt this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is a uh, pretty strong uh, endorsement from Alex Swingle. Ron Edwards, I don't want to hurt this guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My final thoughts on the Forge, um, and I know I've said this before, but Callan, I'll say his full name this time. Callan, sweet, I want to have your baby still. And that that's my final, that's the way that I choose to remember the forest, <laughs> is that dude and me wanting to have his babies. So, yeah. That's great. That's, that's awesome. Now, we've talked about the past. Let's talk about the future. Let's talk about what couldn't have, could happen now. Uh, what should happen now. Because there's a void here. I mean, whether or not the Forge was a fully functional community, there's there's now not really any indie game design, design-centric community out there. The whirlpool has finally settled. Yeah, and now something needs to come to fullest place. You know, it, it has to happen, or I hope it happens, because a lot of people are talking about Google+. Plus as the new outlet for this, but there are a lot of real problems with Google+, um, as far as that purpose is concerned. Not the least of which is that in order to tap into the indie design conversation on Google+, you have to know who the designers are. You need to know their names, you need to find their Google+, pages, you need to add them to your circles, and in a lot of cases you need to hope that they also add you back. So for somebody like me, circa late 2010, just two years ago, wouldn't have been possible. No way I was going to Google up the names of a bunch of designers I barely, I either hadn't heard of or had barely heard of and add them to Google+. And, and that's, uh, you know, it's a commitment of time. It can be a really confusing, alienating process. It also can be really frightening socially. You know, as innocuous and harmless as uh, the internet is and doing something like that is in reality, it's a big social step to say, man, I'm going to find these guys and add them. And what are they going to think? Like, who is this dude? You know, and if you're just starting out, and if you've got nothing under your belt, if you hadn't posted on the forge, if you hadn't, you know, how do you, how do you start that conversation? And how do you get them to listen to you? Because that's what needs to happen, really doesn't matter how much you listen to them. You need them to listen to you. You need them to give you feedback on your designs. And that's something that, uh, you know, still, I'm not really at that point. Uh, if I make a post on Google+, Plus, <laughs> I don't really get responses or anything. You know, as opposed to making a post on the Forge, where you sort of get responses, or making a post on Story Games, where you, get, where you will get responses, but uh, you can't really have a really robust design conversation. But yeah, I, I don't think Google, I think something that had Google Plus integration would be fantastic, but I don't think Google Plus in and of itself is the answer because of that high barrier to entry for new designers. Well, I'm not really concerned about the barrier itself um, in terms of the social aspect. I'm more concerned about the exclusivity that could happen with mm. Plus because it's not like Facebook, well, Facebook is almost exactly like Google Plus now, but it, it, in the sense of um, some of those social sites didn't have restrictions on what would be posted, what could be seen, and all that kind of stuff. So everyone mm -hmm. had a fair shot at seeing everything that you were doing. 
you had to have um, you had to be willing to put that up there in order for people to see it. Uh, with Google Plus and also now Facebook, social media sites in general, a lot of them have the ability to restrict who gets to see what. And so what ends up happening is you could have those blowhards of uh, people you know who think too highly of themselves um, denying what you have to say and then just blocking you and you don't have access to any of their stuff anymore. That's true. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of exclusivity that goes on with it. I mean, fuck, Dan Maruschak, he owned <laughs> Here we go. positive of why Google Plus doesn't work and why Twitter doesn't work and why fucking forums don't work in general when it comes to restricting. <laughs> because every time we, I just wanted to say, hey, like, I know we weren't going to, I said on the forums uh, for RPG Crosstack, we weren't going to bring, we're not, we're not going to try and recruit Dan anymore to come over here because that's never going to happen. But the whole point is he has control over uh, who talks to who when it comes to his section. And because of that, he, his ideals uh, can corrupt and also expand how, how things work. But more often than not, known with survival instincts and all that kind of nonsense it usually corrupts mm. and that's the problem with google plus in a whole is only mostly bad things are going to happen before good things happen with it yeah and i mean i don't want to rag on dan i actually kind of like dan i think that, but you you make a really good point though in general which is that one of the great things about a traditional message board style community is that no one person really controls the conversation for them. You know, yeah, you can you can ignore people on forums. Most forum software has some kind of ignore function, but that doesn't prevent the conversation from continuing to happen. You know, whereas if everything is tied to individuals' personal profiles, they have then then first of all, the conversation becomes completely decentralized which I think is problematic in a lot of ways. But then every individual has a lot of power to decide what does and doesn't get discussed. Especially uh, since that means that the people who um, who have the most followers become the gatekeepers of what is or isn't seen and what is or isn't discussed. Because in order for, especially on Google+, in order for what you have said to really spread, someone else has to share it. And so if the gatekeepers, whoever they end up being, decide not to share your posts, then no one else sees your post. And so that means that the people with the most clout gain control over the community. And that was always one of the complaints about forums, you know, which is that post count or whatever, being around the longest or whatever, gave you an extra amount of clout in the community, gave you power that other members didn't have. And that was a problematic thing about forums, but it isn't nearly as problematic as it is in social media, where that is, you know, that that is totally, your, your power over the conversation is totally governed by the number of friends you have, the number of followers you have number of people who have you in their circles or whatever and that is I think really problematic once again if you're new or even if you are sharing a point of view that um, contradicts whatever the dominant dogma is you know whether it's a political dogma 
you know, the social dogma, the, you know, design theory dogma, if you push against that on a forum, people are going to, you're going to start a fight, and you might actually get more attention than you would otherwise. Not, not to advocate trolling or anything, but really, you, yeah. that was a way for, that's a way for new members to get attention, is to challenge the dominant ideology of the community. And that's a doorway that they can get through, and it's actually something that benefits the community in the long run. You know, the new members come in, and, and maybe they're just doing it to get attention. But that act of challenging the dominant, um, the dominant way of thinking forces the community to reflect on that, and maybe forces some kind of change. That's not how it functions in social media. You know, you challenge that, people say, they, they don't, they, best case scenario, they just don't share your shit. They don't share what you said, they don't pass it along. Worst case scenario, they said, oh, fuck him. You know, he's out of my circle, he's out of my friends list, whatever. And that conversation isn't had. And it's certainly not had with people who might potentially disagree with you. Yeah, uh, one yeah. One quick thing, uh, really, uh, then uh, I want you to go on there. Uh, for, but I want to say about the forums, the the main problem with forums, like, you know, of the post count and the seniority ranks and shit like that, mm-hmm. that's entirely the fault of people who make forums because you can choose to eliminate stupid shit like post counts and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but they choose to put it in there to have a hierarchy of some sort. Right. So their own bullshit is imposed on everyone else, and that's what you get for um, that's that's the main problem with uh, rank polling when it comes to uh, forum use. Mm-hmm. All right, so go ahead. Yeah, well, I don't think that the social media route is necessarily the best way to you know continue the legacy of the forage either, because of the problems that uh that Hank mentioned, and um, because really, like he said, it's just too decentralized. You know, there's not really any any order to it, you know, and, um, but as far as what's needed, yes. Um, what I'd like to see is something that's less maybe focused on design and more focused on just sharing ideas and RPGs, like, you know, just some place where you can go to say here, you know, I put out this game. Why don't you play it? Right. Something that simple, like, a, um, kind of like a, of community of playtesters or something mm-hmm. because that that's one issue that people run into pretty hard is that you know you can get all the design advice and all the uh, all the stuff all the theory and all that kind of abstract stuff that you want but ultimately if nobody's playing your game then you're pretty fucked because and if you can't find people to play your game then you're pretty fucked and I know here on mom's basement we always uh we always like to advocate playtesting and uh, basically that kind of good stuff. But I think that what's needed is a community where, I guess I want to say, like, the clout or whatever comes from, you know, comes from your position. Well, not your, well, comes from you playtesting other people's games, basically. Right, your willingness to play. Them. Your willingness to play, to expand your shit and play other people's games. And I think that's something that's really missing as a playtesting forum, but um, it was kind of pretty difficult to actually get people to jump on and say, you know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play your game. And um, I think that there needs to be more playing and less talking, basically. Yeah. And, you know, Google Plus, through the Hangouts feature, 
gives a really good opportunity for people to do that, for people to just pick up and jump into a hangout together and play a game, you know, just immediately. Uh, but what it needs is really a way to find people outside of your circles to do that. You know, a forum where you can go and post and say, I want to test this game out, or I have a game I want people to test, and then have people jump on the thread and say, oh, I'd like to do that. You know, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's, you know, let's organize something. Here's a date. Here's a time. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, let's right. get on the Google. Let's all get in a Google Plus Hangout together. Let's exchange, you know, profile links or whatever and get in each other's circles, jump into Hangout, play that game. And you need something to facilitate that, though, because Google Plus alone won't facilitate that. And I think, I agree with you, Rudy. I think having a community where... So really, you have two halves of the equation right now, or you did when the forge when the forge existed, right? You had a community that was all about design, <laughs> you know, with very little opportunity to actually pick up and play the games. And you have a community that's in story games that's all about play, you know, your experiences playing games. Let's get to go play a game, you know, whatever, with very little opportunity to get your design into the hands of those people because those people are mostly interested in playing the games they own, the games that have been printed. You know, they're not interested so much in playtesting. What you really need is a community that bridges that gap, that says, let's, you know, we're all designers here. We're all making games and let's have a place where we can talk about that. But let's also build that bridge so that we can get from design directly into playtesting together. Right. And uh, as opposed to, it, it just seems so strange to me that there's such a gap between designing games and playing them, you know. And, and I don't mean, and I, uh, that's something very different than posting actual plays, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There, Because actual plays or, oh, you know, I own this game, or I saw this game, and I picked it up, and I played it with my friends. And the thing about actual plays are it, it's always going to benefit the games that are most out there already, as opposed to real directed play, like people who are actively, a place where people can actively find people to play their games and test them. Um, and uh, without it being a chore or whatever, you know, for that to exist would be great. Alex, you've been silent. Uh, so okay. What I wanted to say there for the community style of uh, what should be done versus what's mm -hmm. actually being done is I am, ultimately I am tired of, um, of theory. I've always mm -hmm. hated theory because majority of the time theory wasn't there to introduce fun. It was introduced to manipulate. Mm. into having your style of fun. Okay. And because of that, I I never really gave two craps of like, oh, someone wrote a thesis on this, uh, on how to, you know, use the best dice for whatever system you're doing. The, the Most of the purposes behind um, at least the older style of forms, even still today, is for some reason people have an obsession, kind of like what we had when we had the discussion with Wilhelm. They have an obsession with defining things to the point where it, you cannot do it any other way. It's either their way of description or nothing at all. And the 
what I want more in forums is the idea of introducing thoughts and seeing actions versus introducing doctrine and seeing actions. Now, when you say thoughts, I mean, I know what you're talking about when you say doctrines, but what do you mean when you say thoughts? As in, like, let's give an example of, you know, my game that I made, that random dice mechanic. How that's just a thought, a theory, not not even a theory. It's just a, hey, I want to have a a mechanic where dice is somewhat important, but it doesn't control how you make your character. That's what I want. That's the entire purpose of that dice mechanic. Uh, So that way I don't have to spend three hours trying to make the best, you know, mid-max character, but I actually have some power over my character when I, when I make it. Um, Here's that thought. See how you guys react to it. And most people, when they when they try to bring that out there for the thought, it gets bashed and it gets downplayed by other people who have spent a large portion of time, you know, learning in quotes the right way to design games. Right. And what do you think that those those sharing of little thoughts, uh, as you put it? contribute you know what what does that do what does that accomplish well it it removes the the, the stagnant style of uh, education because uh we, we even go into real life uh, uh, efforts uh, you know examples um the method that we currently use to educate kids doesn't usually work no it doesn't and that's doctrine right there. That's the proof of stagnant teaching doesn't work. It has to be flexible. It has to be malleable. It has to be uh, an essence that cannot be caged. And most people don't understand that that's what it has to be. It has to be. Uh, it has to be flowing like the rivers. So you want a very kind of freeform discussion community. You want a community. Um, where people feel very free to share ideas, especially challenging ideas? Oh, yeah, especially that. I, 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 want, uh, I, I, I have a great admiration for the truth. And it doesn't have to be criticizing truth. It could just be a transparency, if you will, of um, thoughts, ideals, reactions to things. And the more I can get to that source, the more that I can get to reality, the better off I feel things will be. Because almost every problem you'll ever face in life and also in playtesting and designing games, because designing is just a thought. I'm, this is a small tangent. Designing is just a thought of method on how to uh, control people. And certain designs are more restrictive and other designs are more free flow. Uh, the thing that I want to get at is the the more you hide behind things and the less truthful you are about your real intentions on shit, the more likely uh, no one's going to understand your point. You're just going to get an argument. And this is where people put up their walls of how things work because they don't feel like they're getting, uh, you know, they're getting their, they're not being acknowledged and they decide to uh, put up this like, I wrote this 500-page manual on how to um, on how to pick the right color for your uh, book cover, and if you don't follow yeah. this, there's something wrong with you, not wrong with me. Even though I decide to, you know, obsess over 500 pages of material on this, this is your problem, not mine. 
because I'm a, I'm yeah. a, I'm authoritating my position on you instead of it being a realization that this is just your opinion. Uh, calm the fuck down. Yeah, they, <laughs> they feel that they're not being capital R respected. And I think that word, yeah. respect, can be toxic. I think that is, when it's used in that way, when, it, when there's the idea that, when respect means something other than courtesy, I think you're usually in dangerous territory. That's my feeling on it. I think that when respect becomes tied closely to ideas of dogma, and hierarchy and position and uh, and identity. When respect and identity become interlocked, you're in you're in serious business dangerous territory there, and you're going to probably end up with a uh, unproductive way of approaching things. And I pretty much totally 100% agree with what Alex said. Uh, but what Alex said was still kind of negative. I'm looking for positive things, you know. Now that he, you had positive suggestions, I just mean that. I, I'm just saying to sum up my feelings of how to make a a better forum or a better way to communicate with people is more transparency. Um, you know, you don't need to be harsh when you say your opinion. Just say it without being insulting, and it's it's very simple to do that, by the way. But a lot of people don't have that ability to do that for some reason. Uh, you know, yeah, more transparency, more allowance for um, for new ideas, and and that's pretty much it. Like, oh, and actually conversate. Right. Those three things. That's yeah. all I want when it comes to a place uh, for designing things. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm tired of what what the forge gave us. Really? Yeah, I'd pretty much agree with that. Um, basically, the two things I want from a design community are uh, post forum which are um, a traditional forum structure you know just go back yes. to the old v bulletin I was going like, to say that but I'm glad you did like we've used for years and has worked <laughs> um, and my second thing would be some place where you can actually get your games play tested like I said before those are my two major uh, my major issues right. Now, let me back this up a bit. When you say a traditional forum structure, you're talking about the way it's organized, right? The way the right. hierarchy, the, the uh, topic hierarchy is and things like that. Can you go into a little more depth there? I mean, if you've ever seen, like, um, sites that have a more traditional structure, like maybe like wizards.com, where you have all the categories and uh, users can navigate to the place where they, you know, they want to go to talk about X. And the idea that you can have a forum where um, where there's different spaces to talk about different things, whereas a forge it was just kind of one homogenous unit, right? <laughs> sort of it's with a bunch of sub forums that had either already been archived or were dead right. or were publisher specific or whatever. Yeah, but I'd say just, I mean, the traditional forum structure works, and traditional forum moderation generally works yeah um you don't have to uh you don't have to think too hard about it <laughs> you know, it's something that's pretty much like keep it simple stupid mm -hmm. but um i think going back to that you know even like if you look at rpg net you know that's got a section for game design like we said and 
you know, it's there. There's pretty productive discussions there, honestly. Right. And sometimes I could go there and get get what I needed uh, when I couldn't go to the forge and necessarily get it. Um, as far as you know, advice. You know, hey, give me advice on this dice mechanic, or give me advice on this little piece of minutia. But um, I think a more traditional forum structure where where people people can kind of uh, can kind of detach themselves from their ego, you know, yes. their real life identity. And that that's one thing about the Fords that was interesting is they made you well, they didn't make you, but they asked that you use your real name. And I think that's pretty much a bad idea for forums really? where where ego can really get in the way. And where uh, that's almost it's like post count, but it's worse. Yeah. Because it basically it basically lets you establish yourself um, and establish your ego mm. in in ways that I mean I basically people need to be detached from their ego a little bit when you're using a forum. You have to remember it's just internet conversation and it's not, you know, I mean, it can be productive. It can have real things said. You have to remember that, you know, nobody, it's not that serious, you know? <laughs> right, right. And, and anonymity can facilitate that kind of conversation. Yeah. And, and, um, and there's oh, something about the freedom of being able to create a persona that isn't you or even multiple personas. If you're right. talking about the value of experimentation, mm. there's something really liberating about being able to be not one, but two or three designers, maybe, with <laughs> different handles and different personas doing different types of game design. Sure. Um, I, I know this, this this was supposed to be a brief thing, what you were going at, Rudy, but I, I, I really disagree on really? the real name thing, because mm-hmm. as you were, you know, as you guys heard previously, I want transparency in everything. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. if I, because it, it's not to judge, it's to understand. Because if I see you as, um, bundle of sticks must die sixty nine, as your. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, by the way, less offensive than what Rudy's real handle probably would be. <laughs> yeah. Even my, my handle for this conversation is more offensive than that. <laughs> I, say, I do like that because, you know, it's it, faggot is a bundle of sticks. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> just for people who are unaware of what I said. But if when someone has a, uh, a handle name like that, I give them less respect. I don't even give them the, the you know... I don't even really pay attention to what they have to say most of the time because they are clearly using a handle name for laughs and not using it for like, Hey, listen to me over here. When I see your real name, that gives me an opportunity or the potential for your real name. Cause you could just lie about your real name. on the internet. There's no, like uh, there's, yeah. there's no thumbprint ID kind of shit going on with that. Um, but what I'm saying is when, when you show a plausible real name, um, it, it helps me to understand this is a real person. They're not coming to me to laugh at me or to do some ridiculous shit. They're showing me their real self. That's all I want. I just want the real you when you're coming up here to talk. And you can design games that are not specifically your forte of like what people know about you because the bottom line is no one really knows who the hell you are. 
even your family members don't know who you are to a certain degree. <laughs> and you can do whatever the fuck you want, whatever, you know, all the time. And all, all it really does is just say that, hey, I, I don't stick to this one ideal log of, you know, of, of thought. I, I have multiple things to think about. That's all, that's all multiple game designs do. And for any person who thinks they need to have a pseudonym for their name tells me that they are in a toxic environment that disrespects the original name. It should never happen, but it does. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, I guess I, I never really saw a handle as being like, well, as being, like, as you said, a... Um, like a, frivolous? Um, yeah. Uh, well, what, what, what was the word you used? Uh, I'm trying to think of the exact word. A, um, well, I, I guess I never thought of a handle as like an identity, you know, like oh. a real, a real identity, you know, like a, uh, like a persona. That's the word I was thinking of. Oh, okay. I, I don't really associate internet handles with, well, you do eventually get to associate them with personas, but I, I mean, on story games, like just as an example, I mean, they have people there that use handles and they have some people that use their real names. And I think, as far as the people that I that stand out, I can think of more people with real names or using real names that seem to have a persona. <laughs> yeah. As far yeah. as, <laughs> as far as you know, internet discourse, and and have a rather loud persona at that. Um, Not gonna name names, Shrey yeah, and Pat. Not gonna <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh. No, I mean, I think it can really go either way. I think, I think, I mean, I really have no problem with people with there being an option to put your real name, mm-hmm. you know, or for people to to give you their real name or whatever. I just think the handle, it kind of, it kind of opens the door a little bit more to, um, to I guess more ideas. I mean, mm-hmm. more, it it opens it opens people up to um, to see things a different way. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, to see the ideas expressed in the post as opposed to the personality expressing them. Right. Or the person expressing them. Right. Yeah, I think we've said a lot about that. I do want to... Oh, sorry, Rudy. No, go ahead. Anyway, I want to take this back to what we were talking about with the traditional forum structure, and I want to say something about that. Compartmentalization is not the enemy. I know... We're taught to think holistically, and and you know intuition and making connections is a valuable thing in all this, and it is in design. Being able to make connections between mechanics is is valuable, you know, and being able to see the bigger picture and to be being able to free yourself from compartmentalized thought is valuable, but. In a forum community, compartmentalization isn't just valuable, it's fucking essential. Because having different spaces where you can have different conversations and different tones is what really allows a forum community to continue to survive. It's right. what prevents... Okay, so let's say, let's look at story games for an example, where technically there are different types of categories for topics, but everything gets dumped onto one fucking main page. If you have one toxic 
line of thought going. If you have one bite going in one thread that spills into another thread, it spills inevitably into the whole forum because there is no sense of compartmentalization there. There's no, there, there's no dam to keep the floodwaters from flowing over the whole forum, right? Whereas if you have a more traditional forum style, it's just, there's that value in compartmentalization, right? You, it prevents a toxic conversation from being everywhere. It keeps it contained to one forum. It, it also prevents a flood of similar conversations, even if they're not toxic, even if they're not obnoxious conversations that are hostile or damaging to the community. It prevents you from having the same conversation dominate the whole forum. It prevents, say, you know, apocalypse world hacks or monster hearts or something from being the only fucking thing you see when you when you look at the main page. Because you have different areas where you can have different conversations. It also leads to you can have spaces that are specifically friendly and only friendly. You can have, and that's what those off-topic discussion forums, which don't seem to exist on any of these design communities before, they let you humanize, they let everyone humanize each other, right? They let people have the kind of bullshit conversations that let you know that who you're talking to is a real human being. Even if you find that you disagree with everything about their design philosophy, you can sit down and go to one of these off-topic discussion bullshit forums and discover that, you know, oh, wow, they're a big fan of the X-Files, too, and you can talk about that with them there. And so then, when you see their other posts, their on-topic posts, you think, oh, I disagree with this guy, but I see how he's a human being. And if there's not the space to have those kind of conversations that have nothing to do with the matter immediately at hand or the supposed purpose of the forum, you don't have that effect. And and there's just and, and having spaces there also creates the impetus to have conversations people wouldn't think to have otherwise. If you have a forum that's devoted just to one specific area of design, those conversations will be had, hopefully, if you have enough people, if your if your community is large enough. But if those spaces aren't there, people will tend to have the kind of conversations that everyone else is having. Just because people look around themselves, they look at their environment for cues about what conversations they should be having, what conversations they're allowed to have. So if there aren't those specific spaces in place, people are just going to look to other people, other existing threads, for the, that kind of inspiration and for that kind of guidance. So that traditional form structure with a bunch of subforms, some of which are not tied directly to game design, I, I think would, it, it's, it's valuable. And I think there's a reason why there were so many of those forums and why so many different forums use that kind of structure. Yeah, yeah so I believe we have reached critical mass for this okay. episode. And I agree. Really. In order to blow off some steam, we have to uh, shut down the Mom's Basement podcast perhaps forever. Because we shut down shit wherever we feel like it. Yeah. yeah. This, this may be our last episode until Wednesday. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so without further ado, 
Rudy, you are in charge of unplugging the microphone. Alrighty. Say when. I'm unplugging it now. I'm going for it. Oh, Houston, we have a problem. Seems that I can't find my microphone cord. Oh, there it is. Never mind. There we go. Yoink.